We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. It's Thursday. It's the 7 o'clock hour, so a special hour of Sports Open Line, the Strike Zone, presented by Graybar. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can call or you can text. You can also uh, tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's how you get in contact with the program. One more hour to go. Uh, some news broke earlier today, and it's not great. And uh, that, That's it's it's bad. It's really bad. It involves a former Cardinal and pitcher uh, Carlos Martinez, and his his career was likely already over. Uh, he had been suspended back in May under uh, baseball's minor league drug program after he had tested positive for a performance enhancing uh, substance. Uh, he was a free agent. There was no interest in him that I had certainly seen. And now Major League Baseball has suspended him for another 85 games retroactive to June 19th for violating the Joint Domestic Violence Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Policy. Not good. Really bad. You you don't know all the details of what happened, but it's just kind of an opportunity to take a step back and look at a career that could have been really, really good and for Whatever reason, uh, it just it's you think about recent Cardinals and players who it was really disappointing in the way their careers went. And you felt like maybe they underachieved and they certainly did not accomplish everything uh, that they could have. It's you look at Martinez, because when he was coming up, when you think about when he was in these, you know, low 20s coming up, 2013, 2014, 2015. He had that year in 2015 where he was really, really good. He was an all-star, had a 301 ERA, was an all-star in 2017 as well. I mean, there were some there were some really good years there, and it certainly looked like he was on the trajectory of being somebody who was going to be one of those players that we always looked back on as being one of the top players um, at his position for an extended amount of time. And it just, at some point in time, it started to go in the other direction. We saw him get moved from being a starter to become a reliever. Then he was a starter once again. Couldn't put it all together. His final two seasons with the Cardinals had a uh, nine ERA playing five games in the short 2020 season. Then in uh, 2021, 16 games and a 6.23 ERA. Uh, somebody who injuries got him. It felt like at times he wasn't honest about injuries. Like just there were so many things going on. And it's just you, you kind of sit back and you reflect with this news today. Uh, his How do you how do you sign this guy? 
How how does any team sign this guy at some point who has a combined 165 games worth of suspensions that has been levied upon him uh, just since May for multiple things, for performance-enhancing drugs, and then uh, the details when, when you see domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. And that's all the same policy, so we don't know uh, where uh, what he did to uh, which one of those it falls under, at least that, that not that I've seen. You realize that this is somebody who's just not just baseball, but his life, his life has completely gone off the rails. And it's uh, kind of a sad postscript to what we would assume to be the end of his professional baseball career. Only 30 years old. Only 30 years old. There'd be no reason to believe that if he's if he doesn't have these other things going on, that he would not have been able to find a job. And maybe he will. Maybe he will find a job again at some point in time, or maybe he'll play professional baseball in another league, whether it's playing independent baseball here or playing uh, professional baseball in another country, whatever it might be. Maybe he'll pop up again. But man, that's that's really bad news. That is very bad news. He had signed a uh, minor league contract with the Giants on March nineteenth. He was released. He then signed a minor league contract with the Boston Red Sox on May seventh. And you would assume that once the suspension is done with, again, he's going to miss all the year. Like how do, how do you come from, how do you come back from that? I, um, and yeah, I believe he is a free agent now. So he's somebody who was. Um, was let go after uh, this all happened. So the Red Sox were his last organization, and he's a free agent right now, and you just wouldn't think that at any point in time there's going to be anybody who's uh, overly interested in him before all said and done. One other baseball note that I wanted to get into real quickly, and maybe I should have spent some more time on this, uh, Angel Hernandez. There is the continued lawsuit between him and Major League Baseball. Because Hernandez has accused Major League Baseball of not giving him uh, opportunities to umpire World Series games and not being given an opportunity to be a full-time crew chief. He has accused Major League Baseball uh, that it is a racial discrimination thing as he is a uh, Cuban-born individual. And he says that he's not getting these opportunities because uh, of his heritage. With all due respect to Angel Hernandez, all you got to do is watch a baseball game that he's umpiring, and you know why he's not getting these opportunities. He is a very, very bad umpire. So the benefit of this lawsuit, to be perfectly honest with you, is we're getting some more details on the way Major League Baseball feels about Angel Hernandez. Because uh, in district court, a uh, summary judgment uh, had been granted to Major League Baseball, which means basically Major League Baseball won. And then Hernandez asked a U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to throw out that initial decision and continue to take that to higher courts. Uh, this is where it gets really interesting because all these briefings and all these things that are filed become public information. And in the most recent filing from Major League Baseball, they said that he was all set to umpire the World Series in 2018, that he was on that path, that he was going to be a World Series umpire in 2018. He was umpiring in the American League Division Series. So when you're an umpire, you can't umpire back-to-back series in the playoffs. 
So if you are umpiring an ALCS or an NLCS, your your season is over once that comes to an end because you cannot go umpire in the World Series. But if you're in a division series, you can uh, then umpire in the World Series where you don't umpire in the championship series. So he was in the division series, and he had three calls overturned at first base in game three. Three separate calls in one game back in 2018. According to the briefing, that was it for him uh, umpiring in the World Series. That Major League Baseball saw him get three separate calls overturned in one game, and they made the decision to remove him from the World Series roster. So it's things like that that you get to see in these court filings that are really interesting. Uh, Joe Torre is certainly uh, all over this thing because he's been somebody who's been in charge of umpires. Um, In this uh, briefing, Major League Baseball wrote, This is pretty damning. Major League Baseball wrote, quote, Hernandez did not capitalize on that opportunity and did not rise to the occasion. This was the first time since the advent of expanded instant replay in 2014 that an umpire had three calls overturned in a postseason game. Based off his performance in that division series playoff game, Joe Torre was not confident in Hernandez's ability to perform effectively on an even more intense stage and for this reason did not select him for the World Series uh, that year. They also uh, cite a game in 2013 where he did not reverse a call uh, where a double that had failed to clear the wall on what would have been a home run in the ninth inning. So the call was wrong. Hernandez, for years, has not admitted that that call was wrong. Instead, Major League Baseball wrote, for years Hernandez has refused to admit that the call he made was incorrect and instead has attempted to blame the quality of the replay equipment. Hernandez's inability to put the Cleveland incident behind him and his continued insistence that others were at fault for his wrong decisions were emblematic of why Joe Torre considered him to be unsuitable for World Series assignments and a permanent crew chief role. The issue is not the bad call itself, but Hernandez's reaction to his mistake, unquote. There's a lesson there, folks. There is a lesson, a life lesson, a really important life lesson here. If you make a mistake, admit your mistake, try to not make that mistake again, and move forward. Angel Hernandez has not learned that. Hernandez missed a call in 2013, and here we are in 2022, and his reaction to the missed call, not the missed call itself, but his reaction to the missed call in 2013 is still being cited for a reason that he does not get plum playoff assignments and why he's not a crew chief. It is costing him money. He is a horrible umpire, but he's also evidently not very smart because if he was smart, he would realize that admitting your mistake here would have been the way to go. Just showing a little humility. Little humility goes a long, long way. And Angel Hernandez, instead of being humble, he is suing Major League Baseball and he is going to lose this. And we're going to be winners because we get to learn exactly what Major League Baseball thinks of Angel Hernandez. When we come back, we are set to be joined by the commission, Rick Hummel. We'll talk Cardinals baseball with him. That's next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Strike Zone. Powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. The Strike Zone, part of a sports open line. We do it every Thursday night from uh, 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock here on KMOX. Very happy uh, right now to uh, welcome in a guy who's been covering the Cardinals for a long, long time. It's the commissioner, Rick Hummel, covers the Cardinals for the Post-Dispatch and STL today. Rick, thanks so much for uh, taking uh, some time, especially on a uh, Cardinals off day. How are you? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing all right. What do you take away from uh, yesterday? That's uh, the final game of a 16-day stretch without an off day. You're playing a 13-inning game. They make some really nice defensive plays to extend the game and then finally win. I know Oliver Marmel in the postgame kind of talked about the character of his team showing out. That's a that's a game that probably a lot of teams don't end up winning. It says something about the club that they do. Well, it's the kind of game that the good teams win and the bad teams don't. And you know, I think Oliver Marmol managed a terrific game. Every time he came into an extra inning, they either had Romine at bat or on the bases, and he's not much of a player. You know, they, they, they wanted to face him. They walked India twice to get to him. And then when he made the last out of the inning, here he was running at second base, and they couldn't score on the ground ball. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because the Reds were in a position where they had used all their players, so they were stuck with Romine. Had somebody asked me about that in the postgame show yesterday. Those are some decisions that are made early in the game that come back to kind of beat the Reds late where it felt like the Cardinals had a little bit more flexibility as that game moved along. Well, that's the, the danger of hitting for your catcher in the seventh inning, I think it was, when Chucky Robinson was playing, and they have only two catchers now. If that game had been played today, they might have had another catcher on their roster. You can have two more players by September 1st, but uh, they didn't. And they also put Romine in a a bad spot in the batting order. They they left the pinch hitter in, so they had him hitting second behind India. India's not going to bat anymore after that. You know, he was the rookie of the year last year, but with Romine hitting behind him, they're never going to face him. What do you make of the, uh, specifically with Dakota Hudson and and the starting rotation right now? It it just feels like he's not overly effective at the moment. He'll take a step forward, but then take a step back. Marmel in his last postgame comments about Hudson really kind of said, well, he did everything we asked him to do, and it still wasn't good enough. Obviously, Jack Flaherty is now set to return. Where does Hudson go from here? Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens Tuesday and Wednesday, because Flaherty is taking Hudson's turn on Monday. That would have been Hudson's start after pitching Wednesday. And now does Hudson pitch Tuesday? You know, would it would still be his turn, either him, he, or, or
Rick, you still there? I think we lost Rick. Oh, we'll try to uh, we'll try to reconnect with uh, Rick Hummel as he was giving us his thoughts on uh, the starting rotation. Um, I was talking about this earlier today. Actually, I was on with uh, Kevin Wheeler and Chris Ranji during the show, and my initial feeling is just go six man rotation and give everybody a day off. But the thing I didn't think about that they brought up is there's a lot of off days. So if you go six day rotation, you're not just giving everybody an extra day. You're already kind of giving guys an extra day. Now you're going to give guys extra two days if you go six-day rotation or six-man rotation. So uh, I don't know if that's the, the way that to go. I'm kind of almost circling back on what I had previously said. I think we have Rick Hummel back. Rick, are you there? Yeah, yeah, the six-man rotation. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. That At one point, they'll have to when they have that doubleheader against the Reds in about two weeks. How much but does – then? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. They have an off day. You know, off, they're off Thursday. Uh I mean, they're off tomorrow. They're off today, rather, and then they have another off day <clears throat> a week from Monday. So uh, they have some flexibility there. Yeah, those off days. If if you don't have any off days, then the six day rotation, the six man rotation, and and you give everybody an extra day. That seems good. I was just talking about it as we lost you, but with all those off days in there, if if you go to a six man rotation, in many ways that becomes a seven day rotation because of those off days. At that point, it almost feels like maybe you're giving some guys a little bit too much rest. Maybe so. Uh, although they have some older starters, you know, and Wainwright and Michaelis and even Cantanis in his thirties. So maybe that's good for them to have an extra day at this stage of the season. Cause they've been pitching pretty regularly since day one. Um, and you never are guaranteed about what's going to happen to Flaherty either. You know, they yeah. thought they had this squared away in uh, June or whatever, and that didn't work. He throws a hundred plus pitches at double a Springfield yesterday. How promising is that, that he was really pushed from a pitch count perspective, something you don't see happen that often in rehab starts. And a lot of times you see guys get to 80, 85 pitches, and and that's probably where they're going to be about uh, in their first major league starts. They really pushed him last night and it felt like they were doing that very purposely. Well, yeah. And also they didn't want to have to, maneuver their roster around too much by pitching them yesterday because you would have had to send somebody out for 15 days as a pitcher, and there's not anybody on their staff they wanted to do that with. could get anybody back. They couldn't get Cabrera back. They couldn't get anybody else back soon enough. Um, most pitchers don't take five rehab starts. They wanted to be awfully sure about this because it, it got gummed up last time when Jack went back after two and they let him do it, and it didn't work. Yeah, no, it did not. Uh, they have announced that their their September call ups, the two players, uh, James Nail is one of them, and uh, you would think that that may be a short term thing until they do bring up Flaherty. The other is uh, Ben Deluzio. Were you at all surprised that uh, he is the guy that at least gets this first opportunity with one of these extra roster spots? Well, I'm surprised they hadn't called him up before. He's he's a he's hitting seventy. You see a little bit more power than he used to. That was the big rap against him in the Arizona system was he didn't hit any home runs. Well, he's hit nine this year, but he's hit for extra bases. And his stay might be short, too, because Yepes can come off his option on Tuesday. And I got to think that he can do them more good than than Deluzio. But for the moment, you have a a built-in pinch runner. If you run run a run for uh, Albert or Molina or Dickerson or somebody in the late innings, uh, this weekend, you can do that and maybe get him a, a, a bat or two. And, and you might keep him around longer, but I suspect Yepes will have that spot before the end of next week. 
Back when you could expand to a full 40-man roster, you would see it all the time where teams would bring up maybe they just signed somebody who was only there for their speed and you would have basically a designated pinch runner for the month of uh, September. And sometimes those guys would end up on the playoff roster. That doesn't really happen as much anymore with just the two extra roster spots. Do you like the the 28 compared to the 40 or do you wish it was still the full roster expansion in September? No, I like a, a fixed number because before the teams that had a chance for the playoffs and were generally the most financially well-heeled teams would bring up eight, nine, ten guys, and maybe the team like Pittsburgh or Cincinnati somebody would bring up three or four, you know, because they didn't want to pay all those guys for a month. They weren't drawn. They weren't making any money, and they weren't going to go anywhere. So you suddenly have teams playing 39 men against, like, 29. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> but what about if that happened in football? If you had 53 playing against 43, 53 would always win, I would suspect. Do you like the number being 28? Yeah, I'm okay with that because <clears throat> um, it's already up tw- one number, you know, is 26 as opposed to the traditional 25. I could even go to 30, but maybe they could have 30 guys around maybe. Uh, they wouldn't want to pay any more than that for two guys to sit like a taxi, like a hockey, you know, sitting in the press box at, at hockey games when they're healthy scratches. But, um, but no more than 30. And I'm all right with 28. Uh, and if you want to have – well, I, if you want to have 15 pitchers, I think they should be allowed to do that, but it has to be 14 and 14. Final thing for uh, the Commissioner Rick Hummel joining us here on Sports Open Line. We've gone this entire conversation barely talking about Albert Pujols. He continues to be in a position where hitting 700 is a legitimate possibility. If he can get about one home run per week the rest of the year, he'll get to 700. For a while, it looked like there was a really slim chance of that happening. Now it seems like it's at least a legitimate possibility. Where do you stand on this? Do you think we're going to see 700 from Pujols? Well, he still has to hit six home runs in basically one every five games. And to date, he has 15 in 130 game, which is like one in every eight or nine games. So he'd have to pick up the pace a little bit. And, and I don't know that you can expect him to have – September as he had in August, but this is Albert Pujols we're talking about. I yeah. know, but I don't know that you can start him and play him every game either uh, against some of the better right-handers in the, in the league. And they're going to face, be facing some Milwaukee. They'll surely face, you know, Burns and Woodruff, Peralta, some kind of combination thereof. A couple, you know, in those four games, uh, San Diego has some good right-handers. The Dodgers have a couple good right-handers, and uh, so how many starts will he get? He'll get more starts. If the Cardinals can clinch the division, let's say with four or five, six games to go, all of which against Pittsburgh, they have three here and three in Pittsburgh. Well, he owns Pittsburgh. He has the most home runs by any visiting player in the history of that park. He didn't play there for 10 years. Yeah, it's, uh, it is incredible. Every time it feels like he can't do something, it's like he just purposely says, yes, yes, I can. We'll see what happens. Rick, thanks so much for uh, the time. Always a treat to be able to uh, talk with you, and uh, hopefully we can do this again down the line. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. There's uh, Rick Hummel, the commission from uh, the Post-Dispatch and STL today joining us here, uh, part of the strike zone. By the way, uh, so Ben Deluzio getting uh, called up, looking at uh, his numbers uh, this year at Memphis. Pretty good numbers. 277 in 94 games, had the nine home runs and the 49 RBIs, and he is one of the two September call-ups. 
Building the Future, sponsored by Gray Bar Electric, headquartered in St. Louis. A great place to work. We'll continue talking Cardinals baseball from here to the end of the hour. It is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone, powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Continuing on here on a Thursday night, it is Sports Open Line. It is the Strike Zone. My name is Matt Paul. You have about 20 more minutes left here in the program. Also, uh, keeping you up to date on what's going on with uh, Missouri football as they are uh, underway. The season has gotten started right now. There's about three minutes to go in the first quarter. Louisiana Tech with a 3 nothing lead. And Louisiana Tech has the football. One of two games tonight in the SEC. The other game, not competitive at the moment. Ball State plays at Tennessee. Matt Pajeski, without have you have you seen any score for this game? No. So you are completely in the dark. Yeah. They are thirty two seconds away from halftime. So clearly with what I'm saying, it's a one sided game. What do you think is the score at the moment? Tennessee hosting Ball State. Let's see. I'm going to say I'm gonna rule in favor of Tennessee. Yes. So we're off to a good start. Yep. I'm gonna say 45 to 3. You're you're in the neighborhood. You're in the neighborhood. 38 to nothing okay. is the score 32 seconds before I have to. My best friend from high school played football at Ball State, so I have a very soft heart or soft place in my heart for uh Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. They need you tonight. Shout out Conrad Slaughter who played football at do High School with me. He was good. I was not good. But that's uh, that's all right. Um, all right, so want to get into the the starting rotation situation with um, with the Cardinals when it comes to Dakota Hudson. I don't know where you go from. Like I was, I was so like convicted in my belief to go to a six man rotation. Just keep Dakota Hudson in the rotation. Let him continue to piggyback with Jake Woodford, where if Hudson has a little bit of a tough start, you can go right to Woodford and he can carry you for the for the most of the game and, and you just you utilize the extra roster spot uh and, and you just do all that. Like I was so convicted on that because I thought you get everybody that extra day of rest, and that's gonna really help you down the stretch. I am not worried, knock on wood, I'm not worried about the Cardinals winning the division. Um, not that we've never seen a six-game lead on September 1st go away. It's not insurmountable. But I'm just, at this point in time, I am not concerned about them not winning the division. That it would take it would take a monumental collapse, as far as I'm concerned, for them not to win the division. So while still keeping your competitive edge, while still winning as many games as possible, you can start to kind of set yourself up for the postseason, and you do that by giving some of your starters, some who are a little longer in the tooth, see Adam Wainwright, uh, some who are who are, are injury prone, see Jack Flaherty. You can give these guys that extra day. When I was on with uh, Kevin Wheeler and Chris Ranji on the show earlier today, they brought up the fact that you've got off days coming up, and. I hadn't really, I knew the Cardinals had a bunch of off days in the final five weeks of the season, but I hadn't really put those two things together where the six man rotation combined with the off days. So all of a sudden, 
the six-man rotation, which kind of turned into a seven-day rotation. And I don't know how comfortable I am with guys just starting once a week where you're giving everybody two extra days of rest. Uh, and and then you'll be coming back in the postseason and trying to get them back onto a regular schedule. To me, there's something about that extra two days that feels different than the extra day. So I don't know what you do. It doesn't feel like Dakota Hudson is going to be long for the rotation. It just doesn't. Uh, you look at the the roster moves that were made today as they make their uh, September call-ups, uh, and they, they bring up an outfielder in Deluzio, a guy who's um, – you don't know how long he's going to be there. Juan Yepes is going to be eligible to uh, to get called back up here in the relatively near future. So at that point, he may be going away. Uh, but you bring a position player in Deluzio, you bring up a relief pitcher in Nail, and he's going to probably go back down, or at least somebody's going to go back down uh, once uh, once Flaherty is available. And maybe that's Hudson. Maybe Hudson doesn't have a spot on the roster once uh, what once you have to go to Flaherty. That might be the route that they end up going. I just. We've talked about this a lot on the post-game show, on the extra inning show. I don't know where you go from here if you're Dakota Hudson because this last month plus has been, it's been a really weird path. It's been a path of he starts, he's not overly effective. We listen to Marmel talk after the game and he talks about pace and he talks about throwing strikes, yada, yada, yada. And then... They skip him in the rotation, and they work on some things, and it's still not totally great. And then finally, he has that one start, which was really good. And at that point, you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe maybe something has clicked. Because two starts ago, he had the matchup against the Cubs where he went seven innings, gives up two runs on five hits, four strikeouts, two walks, and you felt really good about that. But then he has his most recent start against Cincinnati, and he goes four and two-thirds innings, allows five runs on nine hits. Actually, throw strikes, threw strikes, um, 75 pitches, 49 strikes, walks just one. And it was an early walk, and then he kind of locked in after that. And his pace was fine, and that was the thing. So Marmel in his post game after that first game of the Cincinnati series said basically he's done every, he did everything that we asked of him. We, we wanted him to throw strikes. He threw strikes. We wanted him to have a pace to him. He had a pace to him, and it still wasn't good enough. The The Cincinnati hitting was better than his pitching, even when he did those things. You know, if I'm an athlete and I'm not performing well, I want to hear from my coaches, like, the reason I'm not performing well. Well, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to be fine. That was the opposite of what Hudson got in his last after his last game. Instead, it was yeah he did what we asked him to do and it wasn't good enough. Like where where do you go from there? And I, I don't know what the answer is. I have a I have a sense that Hudson has lost his spot in the rotation. We'll find out. I don't know when they'll make that announcement. They'll they'll confirm the that Jack Flaherty is going to pitch on Monday coming up tomorrow. Uh, will they announce anything beyond that? Don't know. Until until they need his roster spot or until they announce the Tuesday starter, they don't need to announce anything. And baseball teams and managers, they're not jumping at the opportunity to give out information before they have to give it out. So I don't know when we'll learn anything. Maybe we learn something as soon as tomorrow. It just feels like this rotation is going to move forward. This rotation is going to move forward with five guys. 
and this rotation is going to move forward without Dakota Hudson being the fifth guy. What everything else looks like after that, I don't know. Whether they want to keep him on the roster, whether they don't, whether they find him on the injured. Like, you've got lots of options on what you can do with him out of the rotation. I don't know what that's going to look like. But right now, it just really feels like they are getting set to remove him from the rotation. If you just kind of read between the lines and look at all the moves that are being made and you listen to the comments that are being made after Hudson starts, I just don't really see uh, him staying in the rotation. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll go to a six-man rotation and he's going to stick in it or at least get one more opportunity and uh, they'll go from there. You you give him the one more opportunity uh, before you have a bunch of off days really stacking up, then it's not that thing where everybody's getting a couple extra days uh, because you're doing it after this off day today. So everybody gets that one extra day, and then you kind of go from there. So we'll see. We'll see. That's that's kind of the bottom line here. I don't think he's going to stay in the rotation. Uh, we can argue whether or not he should or shouldn't, but it doesn't feel like he's going to. Uh, something happened last night with the New York Mets that I thought was really, really cool. We'll share that with you play you the audio from it. We'll do it next at Sports Open Line, the strike zone on Thursday night on KMOX. Welcome back to the strike zone powered by Graybar on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Final few minutes of the program here on KMOX. So last night, it's the Mets and the Dodgers playing uh, in New York Edwin Diaz is the Mets closer. He's a good pitcher. Uh, he um, he put together a, uh, a good performance yesterday, and um, he has a walkout song or you know music that he comes out to. It's a uh, Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet. The name of the song is Narco, and it's become just like must-see baseball now that uh, this is what happens when Diaz comes out of the bullpen. But yesterday was a little bit different because Timmy Trumpet was in the house at City Field. And now Timmy Trumpet takes center stage as Edwin Diaz gets ready to come in looking for a save. So this is the point that Diaz starts to come out, and Timmy Trumpet, who is near the front row at City Field, comes out onto the field with his trumpet all mic'd up as he is all set to bring Edwin Diaz in as he runs it. Wait for it. So full disclosure, I had never heard of Blaster Jacks. I had never heard of Timmy Trumpet. And I had never heard of the song Narco, which evidently came out in 2017. So this is not brand new music. This is great walkout music, though. This is fantastic. Yeah. 
This is good. That's a good walkout song. So, Ed, so, but think about this. When do you ever see the artist of a song, walkout music for any sport, where the artist is there performing it live? And Timmy Trumpet, as you might expect from his name, he like he made that trumpet look as cool as you can make a trumpet look. And they've got it all mic'd up, and he's good to go, and people are going crazy. The only disappointing thing is everybody had their phones out to take video of what was going on. I mean, that's a good song to be able to, like, clap along with, like, really get people into it. Uh, Instead of the clapping, everybody's got their phones out, and they're taking video. So that's something they can work on. Clearly, there was going to be video of that. You didn't need your own copy of it on uh, on the cell phone. But that's... I've watched that video, that video courtesy of SNY, who uh, produces the Mets broadcast. Uh, I've I've watched that thing so many times since last night. And I'm just trying to think where else you see musicians come out to play walkout music. It happens every once in a while in boxing. Uh, Back in the day, I used to watch pro wrestling way, way, way back, like, Monday Night Wars, pro wrestling, that was my thing. When I was uh, in high school, I remember D-Generation X, sometimes on WWE pay-per-views, they would have the band that did their walkout music that would be there and they would bring them in. But outside of boxing and pro wrestling, where else do you have the artist there live doing the walkout music? That's about the coolest thing that you can see. Nice job. Fantastic job by the Mets making that happen. If the Mets could have a long playoff run, we could get really, really sick of uh, seeing and hearing Timmy Trumpet before all is said and done. But for at least now, that's uh, pretty darn cool. All right, so the Cardinals, uh, they are back at tomorrow. They are opening up a series against the Cubs. Jordan Montgomery and Adrian Sampson, the pitching matchup tomorrow night, a 7-15 first pitch. That means our coverage tomorrow is set to begin at 6-20. What's on Deck, sponsored by Chesterfield Fence and Deck, chesterfieldfence.com. That's going to do it for uh, this edition of the program. At your service, Hancock and Kelly, they're on the way next. Oh, yeah, there's, there it is, the trumpet. I sound like Lou Bega when I say that, the trumpet. Little Mambo number five action. We're talking Timmy Trumpet, Lou Bega. We're doing all kinds of things to wrap up a Thursday night edition of Sports Open Line on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.